Hi, welcome back to uh, Movie Dudes. I am Alec. And I'm Phil. And today, we will be discussing Paul Thomas Anderson's 2002 film, Punch Drunk Love. Hell yeah. Yeah. Which uh, was kind of interesting when it came out, because it came out after the... Well, it came out during the time of, like... uh, What other Adam Sandler movies came out around that time? Like, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore... Uh, uh yeah, those kinds of basically, yeah. basically the heyday of Sandler being like the typical kind of just comedian uh, who's making movies. Yeah, so and he was like he when, was like right out of right out of SNL. Yeah. So yeah, when Anderson yeah. said that when when Anderson said in an interview that he would like to work with us, Anderson, everyone was kind of like, all right, what what could you possibly do with you know Adam Sandler? And then this happened. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I guess uh, before we really, uh, I guess, get into everything, I would like to... Uh, I'm trying to think of what the second thing was. I, all, all I know is that there's like a couple things I want to mention before we get get going with everything. Okay. Um, so uh, earlier in the week, uh, before... Uh, earlier in the week of us recording this, uh, uh, comedian Norm Macdonald passed away, mm-hmm. uh, and I felt that one very hard because Norm Macdonald was a pretty big uh, influence on my on my sense of humor. So, uh, pretty pretty awful loss for the comedy community, and uh, absolutely, it's, it it was just insane. <laughs> is all, all yeah. I really have to say, and I will remember like just the insane comedy that he's done probably forever. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I actually like pretty much only knew him by well, no, I didn't only just know him by name, but like I, I wasn't really that familiar with his work, but I watched a, a couple of his uh, a couple of stuff that he that he did was really fucking funny. Oh, he's a funny dude. Like I yeah. I think my my favorite my favorite long con joke of his was he he wrote a book and he and he called it like hmm. it, it was called like it was basically like a like a memoir. Uh but like half of the stuff in it just didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just oh, like half of it's just not real at all, and I think that's the funniest oh, thing ever. Is is it like obviously fake? Oh yeah, well he talks about like it talks about like the years he said he talks about like years he spent he spent in prison, which did not happen. <laughs> and it's like there's I I remember so clearly there's one chapter where it's just like ages eight to twelve, I don't remember. Chapter five, like he just immediately moves on. It's <laughs> oh, <this is> perfect. <laughs> didn't he? Right, didn't right. he did it like? Um, didn't he? Didn't he say like at the beginning of the book, like this book is dedicated to Charles Manson? No, not yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, this book is dedicated to Charles Manson. Not that one. <laughs> so the, dumb. I uh, love it. Out of all the out of out of all the clips I saw this week, the 
I think the funniest one, at least the one that made me laugh the most, was when he was on Larry King's show and he said, like, Larry, Larry <laughs> King asked him, Do you have any secrets you've never told anyone? And he said, I'm a deeply closeted gay man. And he just went into this, like, weird thing of, like, No, I'm not gay. I'm, I'm deeply closeted. <laughs> So, I'm not could, telling. Yeah, and you could see on Larry King's face, like he was half like he thought it was fucking funny, and half he did not understand a thing that was going on. Oh, Norm, the f- I, I, there will never be a comedian like Norm Macdonald yeah. ever again, and you can just feel that. And it's such a, just such a. This is like, this is one of the bad ones. Like when it comes yeah. to like celebrity deaths, it's just. Yeah. yeah so uh rest in peace norm mcdonald yep, i just wanted to peace. just wanted to say that before i guess uh <laughs> getting on the road with everything um but yeah. in in other recent events that are much more uh i guess uh what's the word i'm looking for just kind of upbeat uh i'm sure you've heard us talk uh i'm sure we mentioned it in the uh in the herald and mod episode um, but I'm sure we talked about it in the past that uh, the Herald and Mod Criterion has been uh, out of print ever since, um, was it December of last year? Uh, February. February, was, uh, yeah, that's right. Which, uh, which was actually the sale where I got my copy, so I was like one of the last people in the world <laughs> to get it before it went out of print. Which is incredible. Um, I'm, so, I'm so happy about that. This past Tuesday, I decided to go uh, record shopping with some friends, and at a random record store in like a town, like maybe ten, fifteen minutes away from us, I remembered that the that this specific chain of stores always had like a Criterion section, where like people who like just brought in Criterions, like will just have them in that section. They can sell them off. Um, so I went to that section and I was just looking around, and my friend Jake, he like pointed at a movie and he was like. Hey, didn't you didn't you watch this one recently? And I looked at it, and it was Harold and Maud, and I bought it. <laughs> so I now have uh, yeah. the Criterion DVD of Harold and Maud, which I never thought I would get. Which, if you're wondering yeah. why Phil's not exactly surprised, is because I told him I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. I just I couldn't uh, keep this information to yeah. myself. <laughs> no, yeah. Like three days ago, I I uh, got back from work, and I got a I got a, a text from you that was like, "Dude, I got it." I was like, "Fuck yeah." I was I was so I like audibly like gasped like because <gasps> I was like how <laughs> it was yeah. still like it was like thir- it was like thirty bucks which is you know like ten bucks more than like a regular Blu-ray Criterion but still yeah. I mean how is it? you're never gonna find something like that again that's like finding yes um, yeah what's another what's another really famous out of out of print Criterion movie that's like finding like a John Woo Criterion movie. It's like how did you even That's like finding that? uh that's like that's like finding the original Citizen King laser disc. Not as bad as not yeah. as bad as that, but you know, rare. <laughs> yeah, that that's like finding uh Le Grand Illusion. Isn't cuz that was like the first Criterion spine of like the uh discs and that one's out of print. Um but while I was there, I also decided uh cuz it was only a few bucks, I decided to pick up uh the second Michael Bay film in the collection, The Rock, <laughs> which oh is, uh, I've actually, I've Wait, actually, did you have, I've did actually you have seen Armag- this one. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that a few episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One. All right, forgot about that. I wasn't sure. That's uh, all good, but uh, but yeah, I, I've actually seen The Rock. Uh, uh-huh. and it's I don't know if it's deserving to be in the Criterion Collection, but it's obviously much more deserving than Armageddon. <laughs> well, I don't feel like any uh, Michael Bay film is deserving to be in the in the in the Criterion yeah. Collection, but you know. If, if any of them were deserving, I guess it would be The Rock. The Rock is a good movie. Yeah. Um, but all right. <laughs> I guess we should probably get into I'd say, the movie uh, we're discussing. Yeah. Or if if you if you got anything to add before we continue. Oh no, I was I was gonna say if I if I were to add a, a Michael Bay film, it would be uh, Transformer Three, which is obviously a joke because it's <laughs> a fucking horrible film. One of my, one of my worst experiences in a movie theater. God, that was boring. <laughs> Dude, Transformers box set when? Yeah. Oh god, that'd be awful. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. So, Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson, very, very, I guess, famous would probably be the word to use. Like, or it's one of his more like, I would say, well-known movies because, like, obviously, there's like, yeah. there will be blood and boogie nights, but. I remember hearing about Punch Drunk Love even as like a kid it's, when Adam Sandler was big. Yeah, cause yeah, cause uh, well, obviously, yeah, with when you have Adam Sandler, it's easier to like um, make bigger numbers at the box office. But also, like, it's I feel like it might be a film that's more accessible to a larger audience than I feel like his other films are more for like cinephiles. If that makes sense, I I would actually. Well, they're more probably... marketed. Oh yeah, no, they're definitely they're, it's, they're more marketed. It's a little. Yeah. I, okay, here's here's what I think about uh, Punch Drunk Love being like accessible is that like, yeah, I I honestly have not seen like it, it's one of the more like weirder films I've seen that like still manages to be like pretty grounded at certain points, but I can definitely yeah. see why. Like, imagine, right? You're, like, an Adam Sandler fan in, like, the early 2000s, and you're like, man, uh, I can't wait to go see this new Adam Sandler movie. I bet it's going to be funny. Uh, and then you go and see this absolutely, you know, almost, almost like, abstract, weird, <laughs> like, art house movie with Adam Sandler running around buying pudding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay, let's... I'll I'll summarize so, uh, I guess the the yeah. film. Uh, so sure. the uh, the film's main character is uh, is Barry Egan, uh, who runs a little uh, like a plunger sales place out of a garage in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and one night he decides to call a a phone sex line, uh, who then proceed to uh, steal his credit card information and attempt to extort him he kind of, you know, just hangs up on him and starts going on with his day. He gets set up by his sisters to go on a date with a woman named uh, Lena. Uh, And they hit it off pretty well. And they decide to start, you know, like, seeing each other. Uh, Around this time, uh, he starts to get more calls from, like, the the extortion or, like, the uh, sex hotline. And they basically say, like, look, we're going to send some people after you if you don't give us money. And so they do. They send people after him. They they hurt Lena and uh, basically, like, 
you know, hurt him. He tries to give them money, but then he runs away. Uh, they, he decides, so, okay. Another facet of this that is like kind of like a running plot line in the background is the fact that Barry decided, uh, he found a loophole in, uh, this coupon, like promotion for, uh, I believe it's American Airlines where you could get, uh, like some number of frequent flyer miles if you bought, uh, these, uh, products. He discovers that, uh, he can find a loophole by buying pudding cups, uh, and getting a lot more miles out of them than they would be in, like, actual value. So he basically gets, like, millions of frequent flyer miles and can fly anywhere he wants for the rest of his life. Uh, so he decides near the midpoint of the movie when everything's just going weirdly, he decides to, uh, go with Lena to, uh, Hawaii for a bit, which is just kind of a fun little sequence, uh, and they basically start, like, seriously dating at that point. Um, they get back, and that's yeah. when the, like, attack happens. Lena's put in the hospital, so, uh, Barry decides to fly to, um, uh, Utah, uh, to go and Utah, beat yeah. up the, uh, to, and go, go and beat up the, uh, phone sex hotline. He goes in there, uh, threatens, uh, Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays the, the antagonist in this, uh, movie. And, uh, then he leaves, and then him and Lena stay together, and it's just a happy ending. And it's a very, a very short movie, and it doesn't, like, saying it out loud, it yeah. doesn't seem like much happens. But it really, at points, just feels like this, like, grand little, like, just fun a little adventure yeah. <laughs> with Adam Sandler about a a very deeply troubled man <laughs> which mm-hmm. i yeah. love by the way Adam Sandler's performance in this movie it is yeah he's great ridiculous it's so funny <laughs> yeah no i uh when given the right role and the the right film and and everything Adam Sandler can be a really good actor Like, oh, for sure. People were... The big shock that a lot of people had with movies like Uncut Gems was the whole, like, oh, Adam Sandler couldn't be a good actor. When we already kind of knew that with, like, you know, yeah. Punch Drunk Love. It's just that Punch Drunk Love wasn't nearly as popular as Uncut Gems was and still is. Absolutely, um, yeah. Which I learned this a little bit ago before starting the podcast, but... uh uh the uh box office return on uh punch drunk love only made back uh about i think it was three hundred thousand dollars short of what the budget was so the budget was like 25 Ooh. million dollars and the budget was or in the box office was 24.7 so it was it's pretty unfortunate yeah but i mean Ouch. the movie's obviously it's the movie's obviously gained like cult status since then Yeah, uh, and I mean, and it's like, become pretty popular. Yeah, and I mean, also like, uh, PTA has like such a massive following that like you know all of his fans obviously love all of his films, so that's definitely like a big part of it. Oh, of course, and plus, like, it's not that PTA like went through like a like a dry spell after this. Like th five mm -hmm. years later, he made There Will Be Blood, and then it was like, oh shit, all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I okay. I'm trying to think of specific yep. scenes that I enjoy a lot, um, but the entire movie kind of blends together in like the best way possible. Uh, uh, I love, yeah. I love particularly like an aspect of it. I guess I love a lot is uh, the use of color when it comes to everything. Like, uh, mm. like obviously, uh, Barry's suit is blue. Lena's dress is red for throughout most of the movie. Uh, and when, and I believe the movie like starts with Barry wearing a blue suit and a blue tie, but it ends with him wearing a blue suit and a red tie, uh, kind of symbolizing how like Lena's made his, made her way into his life, uh, and like become a part of him, which is just really cool i have i've always loved mm-hmm. when color makes makes its way into film like that <laughs> yeah but were there any uh were there any specific scenes that stood out to you or just aspects of it um well can i uh i have a lot of good stuff to say about this film but there's like one thing that i didn't like so i i'd like to talk sure. about that and then get get this out of the way i did not like the ending or should i say really? i did not like uh, i didn't i didn't like the conclusion to uh, the sex line thing with uh, philip seymour hoffman's character i thought it was just like you know he flew to utah to see philip seymour hoffman and then he went to see him and not a lot happened you know like he, yeah, he's just I, like he came there and he said, "Hey, fuck you!" And then she feel Philip Seymour Hoffman say, "Fuck you, no, fuck you!" And then he left. That's basically what basically, happened. Yeah, I, I enjoy it because I just kind of like. I don't know. I like how the movie doesn't go all out with it, but it's also I can understand how it could be anticlimactic. Like I, basically, what yeah. happens is that like Barry walks in. Uh, and like you know, just talks like, just talks about how he wants him to leave him alone, and like just kind of like, you know, gets him gets him to agree to leave him alone. And then as he's leaving, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, "Get out of my store, you pervert!" And and it's like, "What did I say? What did I say?" Uh, <laughs> and then um, then Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like, "All right, we're square," and then <laughs> and he just kind of yeah. leaves. But yeah, it's just I was kind of like. Yeah, but I, I was kind of like, that's it, that's all the, that's all it is. Like, I, w- I guess I was... a way you could, I guess. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but I guess a way to describe how, uh, I guess what it means is like the entire movie. Adam Sandler is either like vocalizing, like physical. Or he's either vocalizing his violence or actually physically acting it out by either like punching walls or tearing up a bathroom in one scene. Uh, but in a way it's kind mm-hmm. of fitting for the conclusion of his character, not to be through like a big, like fight with this guy, but just to walk in, you know, scare him a bit and then just leave. Like that kind of shows, I guess a bit of mm. emotional maturity from uh, Barry. So I guess that's a way to look at yeah. it. And I just kind of came up with that right now. So there's probably, there's probably holes in All that right. analyzing, in that analyzing, but I don't know. I kind of maybe that's what I kind of get from it. Sure, but I can uh, see how it yeah. could be disappointing. Mm. Well, <laughs> I will. I will say though, uh, like for the not so big amount of screen time that he has, Philip Seymour Hoffman's 
performance is so good. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, he only it's has, like, like, five minutes in the movie, but it's so funny. Yeah. Like, the, the, scene where, the scene where they talk on the phone, and he's just, like, uh, starts screaming at him, and it's, like, so... Yeah, he's just, shut, 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 shut up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, all right. Can I uh, directly go into something that I wanted to, to mention? Uh, yeah. Something, something that I noticed is, uh, it's, it's kind of funny how, like, you know, obviously throughout the entire podcast, we're going to do a lot of comparisons with the film and the Uncut Gems. And I think it's funny yeah. how, like... I mean, obviously, they're the the two films that Adam Sandler did that are very like much more uh, drama oriented, and uh, it I think it's funny how they also somehow ha- have two very similar stories. Uh, like they both have a thing of Adam Sandler like uh, getting in a lot of trouble and being like beat up and stuff, and it's like <laughs> it's weird how. In both films, he gets in like in the trunk of a car. Well, not really the trunk of a car in uh, Pawn Shop Love, but you know, right? Uh, Kidnapped like in the car. Truck. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I guess in a yeah, two. You know, obviously there's the comparisons, but I guess to contrast it from Uncut Gems in a way, Uncut Gems feels like a bad dream, uh, because it's just like mm-hmm. it's just it's overbearing and like you know. Yep. Uh, uh, Harold just keeps throwing all this stuff into the pot like I'll bet here I'll bet here uh, and it just keeps spiraling deeper and deeper into a pit of just anxious uh, film uh, but Punch Drunk Love kind of contrasts it in a way that like it's very like calm and healing almost like every time I every time I finish Punch Drunk Love which I've only watched it twice now I'm just I'm left in the good headspace from it because I'm just like man, that was good. I'm like I feel I feel yeah. good after that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I, I uh, just re- I was just reminded of uh, something. I a few months ago I watched videos that were like um. I forgot the actual name, but it was like a uh, roundtable of either sometimes they they did director, sometimes they they did actor, and well, one of the times they they did actors, and it was the the year that Anka Jim uh, came out. It was like just a conversation between a bunch of actors in a roundtable, and so it was. Uh, and there was Adam Sandler for Anka Gems. There was Adam Driver for Marriage Story, and there was you know all those big name actors. Uh, known for making like uh, drama movies, and then there was Adam Sandler who uh, was more known for co- comedy movies, and then he made uh, dramas. And at some point, he, he said, "Like I feel like I sh- I don't deserve to be here." And I th- and I think it's either <laughs> uh, it's either Adam Driver or Shia LaBeouf that said bullshit. And <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny because like. Uh, you know, more people need to know than like. I also feel like he needs he not necessarily that he needs, but I wish that he would do more of those kinds of films because it's so great to watch. 
Oh, it's always so. It's always really good. I would love to see Sandler work with more um, competent, or yeah. like just not even competent, just like really well-known, good filmmakers. Because I think it could. Yeah. I think it could come out with some really good stuff. Like obviously, he's already worked with PTA and the Safety Brothers. I think it'd be cool to see him work with like others. Um, like yeah, I'm trying to think of not to say that like all of his comedy films are bad either. Like obviously, there's. Like diamonds in the rough. Like I, no, I enjoy. No. I I don't know. I enjoy, on a surface level, like movies like ha- movies like a uh, Happy Madison or no, not Happy Madison, uh, Happy Gilmore, and uh, mm-hmm. I have a soft spot for Click. <laughs> I'll say that. Oh, I don't hate the movie. I absolutely get it. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, um, I I have a soft spot for that movie. But there's I will say, uh, yeah. obviously movies like obviously movies like I don't know. The ridiculous six or like grown ups. At that point, uh, it's like okay, this is is awful. <laughs> well, all right, I'll be I'll be honest. Like, it, I know it's pure, probably mostly due to uh, nostalgia. I have mm-hmm. a massive soft spot for both of the grown ups film and just go with it. Because uh, I mean, I remember I just watched them all the time. It's like they're obviously they're not they're not really good movies, but they're like inoffensive bad films you yeah know? like you've got you've got bad films are like there's so many issues with them and there's so many stuff that's wrong with them with those films it's more like well the humor isn't that great and uh the story's a bit bland and a bit overused but besides yeah. that it's fine you know it's it's not like it's not like jack and jill or anything like that they're they're fine jack and jill sucks uh, oh, oh yeah, no, you know terrible. what you know what other film from him uh, I like? It's uh, That's that? My Boy. Which is actually... I the, haven't seen that one. It's the film What's that it? made me... The, the first made me discover um, Andy Samberg. Like before I knew oh, what, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what Lonely Island was or what uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, uh, after having uh, listened to a lot of Lonely Island and having watched uh, all of... Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's they're definitely not as good as what Andy Samberg does on on his own, but oh, no. it's but, like honest honestly, I I kind of like it. Yeah, I I have a very like interesting past with like Andy Samberg because I remember when I was younger, I wasn't little, but I was like maybe thirteen. My dad would put on like Lonely mm-hmm. Island Lonely Island albums when we would drive around. Uh, and we would watch uh, his movie uh, Hot Rod, back from like the two thousands. Oh, I, I haven't seen that one. Him, but yeah, I, I'm, I remember it being pretty all right. I have the DVD somewhere. I'll have to rewatch it. But um, yeah, uh, I have a big soft spot for a lot of the Lonely Island. But going back to listen to, like I like because um, they did like three albums. I think it was like mm-hmm. Incredibad, Turtle Turtleneck and Chain, and uh, Whack album. I remember, mm-hmm. like, I re-listened to them, like, last year. Uh, Incredibad is pretty good. Turtleneck and Chain is, like, eh, it has some fine stuff. And Whack Album's just kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's just, it's full of, like, obviously just stupid humor, and some of it lands, and some of it doesn't. Like, I love, I love tracks like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, Punch Your Jeans from, uh, yeah. Incredibad, where... 
they rap about punching someone in the jeans and it has some of the actual best rhymes I've ever heard. Like, uh, what was it? Like, uh, <laughs> I hate your jeans. Gonna throw a haymaker. Rocking your slacks from here to Jamaica. It's like stupid. I love it. <laughs> oh, you know um, what? Uh, not necessarily my favorite song from Lonely Island, but the one that makes me laugh the most is Threw It on the Ground. Cause I just that think it's stupid, so, but I love it. It's so stupid, it's... but I think it's so funny. Like I'm an adult. <laughs> uh, but in, my, uh, yeah. this is a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't my dad, man. <laughs> man. Uh, man. But I'd say, like purely in terms of listening to it, I say my favorite one is either. Jizz in my pants or Jack Sparrow <laughs> with uh, Michael Bolton, which is so great. Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow is like fantastic. Uh, I mean, God. and it's like it wouldn't, it would never have been nearly as good if it wasn't for Michael Bolton. Like, not oh, only no. did he, like, not only did did he say yes to doing that, but he was like clearly having so much fun. Oh, you can tell. It's really good. Especially in the oh, music man. video, too. Yeah. There's all this music video. Oh, God. I had, Oh, God. It's been a long, long time since those days. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Ugh. But, yeah. Um, Andy Sandberg's always been pretty good. I remember I liked the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I didn't watch much past that. Yeah. Um, the The... The last episode actually aired yesterday. I don't know if you knew that. The last episode of like every of all of it. Yeah, yeah, it was a, the last episode of the really? last season. The actual conclusion of the show aired yesterday. Oh wow! Huh. Yeah. Um, I did not. So, I did not know that. Yeah, and I didn't watch it yet because like I'm waiting for it to get on Netflix. Um, right. But I I I saw a uh, part of it on um on twitter and it was like part of the like the part of the conclusion and uh i, I saw that and it was it, it was so wholesome it's like oh i, I love <laughs> it and that's such a great conclusion yeah <laughs> but i really I, i honestly really like brooklyn 99 it's one of the, i think it's one of the funniest shows that's been made in, in a long time i remember i remember liking what i saw of it uh, back yeah. when it came out, I think. But yeah. Um, back to Punch Drunk Love. Uh, yep. One of my other one of my other yeah. favorite things that I would feel remiss if I didn't mention was uh, the really really eclectic soundtrack. Because like. Oh yeah, I I wrote about that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. When there's when there's scenes with like Adam Sandler only, and he's like just kind of walking around and doing all the stuff at like his workplace. It's like it's really like it's synth heavy and kind of like weird, and like there's just random instruments thrown in th- like throughout there. But then he's when, when he's with Lena, it's like all strings and it's all pretty and arranged. Uh, yeah. It really, it really like everything works in this movie with the, with the theme of it being chaos without Lena in the picture, and I think that's so mm-hmm. so cool. Um, it's yeah. But another thing I. Another detail I mentioned, I guess, or I noticed when I saw this, this is my second time seeing it, uh, there's the scene when 
uh, he's about to tell, um, I forget what his, uh, co-worker's name is. Um. It's, uh, Lance. Lance, yeah. It's the scene yeah. where he's about to tell Lance that he, like, phoned the sex hotline, uh, but then he looks towards the pudding. If you pay really close attention at that part, you can hear a little voice when when the like when the camera pans over to the pudding you can hear a little va- a voice say like over here Barry or something it's like really weird hmm. and just adds that much more <laughs> strangeness to this entire huh. movie and i love i love it i know that uh the scene where i noticed the music the most was in uh it's also the the scene where i took the most notes i think it's probably my favorite scene of the whole film it's um the scene when he's like properly introduced to, to Lena uh, yeah, which is like a really good scene <laughs> probably the most chaotic scene of the entire film yeah <laughs> and I, it's one of those scenes I remember watching it and being like what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah. and, uh, uh, it was it was a great scene honestly yeah I love I love in that scene too like where he's uh He's, like, kind of, like, just kind of talking to him, and, like, in the background, like, three of his em- employees, like, knock a bunch of stuff over. And Lena's like, is everything okay? And he's like, he's like, hold on, let me check. And he he's like, everything all right, fellas? Yeah, everything's fine. And, then like, he gets right back to talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so, every scene in that, like, uh, in, like, the plunger factory or whatever is just so like chaotic and weird like he's walking around punching walls uh there's the scene i okay another scene i forgot to mention was uh the first scene where like he's getting all the calls from uh his sisters like asking if he's gonna be there that night and he keeps like trying to talk to these uh people like uh like potential clients about their uh plungers and uh in my favorite one of my favorites is like it's like Barry you have a call online too and he just goes okay one second he's like uh he's like these handles are actually the uh unbreakable type and he just like slams it on the table and it bursts into like a million pieces and he goes I guess this was one of the breakable ones I'm sorry I'll be right back and then he just goes and talks on the phone for a couple minutes but in the background in the background you can see Lance like testing them out with with them in the background, he's just slamming them on the table. <laughs> I noticed that. That was another detail <laughs> really, I, I noticed this time that. around. Yeah. Oh, I was I was cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to look up that scene and take a look at the window behind Barry after that scene, because you can just see Lance slamming them on the tables. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna have to watch that now. Yeah, it's really good. Um. But were there any other any other scenes that stuck out to you? Um, I really like, especially um, especially especially the first time it happened. I really like the moments where, um, uh, he was just like breaking stuff due to his anger, like when he just randomly broke windows, um, <laughs> at his uh, sister's place. He's like, it's. I think it's really interesting how every time that happens, it's always related to, uh, his sisters. Yeah, and the uh, and the embarrassment that they uh, they cause him, and uh, yeah, I think that's... you can tell you can tell that he like 
just hates his sisters in some in some way. But yeah, uh, I think one of my favorite things about that glass breaking scene is like earlier on, it's it's when it's at like all the sisters' houses or like house. He like walks in here. He opens the door to go into the party, and he hears his. He overhears his sisters talking. He's like, "Hey, remember when we used to call? Uh, <laughs> remember when we used to call Barry Gay Boy?" And you just see Barry like walk in for a second, and then close the door again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so so good. Oh, uh, that's I'm really just... that's really all I can yeah. say. That's really all um, I can say about this movie. Is that it's great. But yeah, another thing, another thing that I have, which um, I, I'm sure it has some kind of explanation, but I just I couldn't really figure one out myself, and I didn't uh, have the time to to check. What's the meaning behind the the piano? I'm sure um, it has one. I am you know? sure it has one too. I honestly don't know. Let me uh, let me yeah, do a take a very look and see quick. if anyone's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See if anyone Pondra, smarter than us has done an analysis. Um, it's a symbol for his desire to reconnect with life in a way that has music in it. Um, All right. Sure. <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting how, like, um, you know, the piano is just r- randomly dropped in the street, exactly where he meets Lena for the first time, like... Uh, I think he, I, actually a few hours apart. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, that, that, can, that works. I'll take I that. I kind of get that. Yeah. And um, it also helps yeah. that like, it also helps that the final shot of the movie is uh, Lena walking up behind him and uh, hugging him as he plays the little piano. So that kind of mm-hmm. like brings brings more life into his into his life I guess just more color I don't know it's such a good such yeah. a good little moment this movie's full of good moments <laughs> yeah um, uh, and then there's a few other small things that I wrote there's a bunch of moments that has like very like almost psychedelic visuals almost out of nowhere yeah with like a bunch of weird colors and like I don't really know why they're there but I like them that's exactly how I feel about them too. It's like I don't know why these are here, but I like that. Like it's all, like all the color no, bars, yeah. all the color bars, and then it gets to like the weird blotches. It's like it's such a weird scene transition, but like weird in the best way. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was I like maybe thirty minutes before we started recording. Uh, I decided to go on a. On like online to see if there are any fan theories about stuff from the movie, uh, and I found a really interesting one that I think was just kind of funny. Uh, so, uh-huh. someone had a theory that, uh, or I guess this is just an internet fan theory. Like no one really knows where it came from. Uh, it posits that uh, the film uh, contains numerous references to uh, Barry being Superman. So Barry's always wearing a blue suit. Uh, by collecting the free air miles, he can fly anywhere he wants to. Uh, when Lena holds Barry uh, from behind at the end of the movie, her, her red dress kind of looks like the cape on the back of his blue suit. Uh, he seems to have, like, 
kind of super strength throughout the movie. Like, I don't know many people who look like that that can punch massive holes or massive dents into walls and bust up bathrooms just with their bare hands. So I guess yeah. in a way, like, uh, <laughs> there's, like, a, a, su- a Superman resemblance in that, like, super strength kind of there. Which I only I'm only now realizing like that wasn't part of the text that I saw, but um, but that makes a lot of sense now that I say that and I I like that theory quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah yeah I guess I guess it makes sense yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun little way to look at the movie. I like it a lot. Uh-huh. Ah. Um, I will say it's interesting how like you know every time i watch a film that i heard about for a long time i always have expectations this film was very far from being what i thought it was what did you think it it would be well i first of all i thought it would be less weird less chaotic (laughs) yeah Um, i had the same i had the same uh like idea in my head (laughs) yeah uh i I don't i i thought that I'm Chandler would play more like um, less awkward character, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I, I also I don't know why I think I just mixed up with uh, with another film, but I thought it was the like a love story between like high school sweethearts. Uh, what? I, I don't feel know like that's why. Another Adam's. I feel like that's another Adam Sandler movie. Maybe I don't know why that, it's it's possible at this point anything is possible. At, th- at this point, I'm sure he's done that before. Of course. But I yeah I don't know why I thought that was the story, but and then I I saw that and I was like, oh this is not what I thought this was gonna be. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of like a a nice little surprise. Uh <laughs> The, the film was very good. Yeah. This being my second Paul Thomas Anderson film really kind of threw me for a loop because my first one was uh, Boogie Nights. And, yeah. obviously Boogie, and obviously Boogie Nights is it's pretty straightforward with uh, a lot of his stuff. It doesn't really get into, like, uh, you know, kind of crazy themes. Punch Drug Love is, like, a whole nother beast. It just... It gets weird from the beginning and just doesn't stop and i love i love the atmosphere of this movie because it feels so yeah uh it feels so peaceful but like it it feels so peaceful while while touching on these like like themes of like aggression and like (laughs) and trying you know you know manage that you know what this film reminds me of it gives me very very big uh, late '90s Cohen Brothers vibe, like Fargo and oh, Big Lebowski. It really reminds it me of does. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see that. And it's something that I really like, like the, the that kind of uh, that kind of uh, uh, you know dark movies in uh, Los Angeles that show like the the dark yeah. dark darker side of the city. You know that kind of stuff. It, I, I really I, like that. I, I haven't seen Fargo, so I can't speak for it. Uh, well, it's but, not it's not Los Angeles, but you know, same. Vibe, well, yeah, so. but like, but like, I can definitely see how it could relate to something like Big Lebowski, because Big Lebowski 
is another movie about like I don't know. It's it's another movie about just some guy in Los Angeles being extorted, uh, yeah, and then going on a big like a big adventure that feels like kind of free forming and fluid throughout Los Angeles. And I think that 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 comparison works. Yeah. I like well, obviously both of those both of these movies are great, but like the. I guess yeah. not the same feeling is captured, but I guess I, I understand completely right. uh, the comparison. And they also both have Philip Seymour Hoffman, but with two completely different characters. <laughs> yeah. um, God, I forgot Philip Seymour Hoffman was in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, no, he's very like... Uh, I don't know. It's not the kind of uh, kind of roles that he he usually has. I think. No. Yeah. Definitely not. But it's good. I like it. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, Hold on. Let me look in my notes to see if I have anything else to say. I I think that might be all I have to say on the movie. Um. I I really that's a small thing, but uh, I really like how like the the the, the scene where it first starts to the to the, to the like sex phone line, you know, that yeah. was so awkward in the best it so, way. It was so awkward, and that's like emphasized by like the camera movements and how close the camera is to him, like. Mm-hmm. The camera never changes, like, elevation in that scene. It only pans around the room. And it's all done in what seemingly looks like one take of Adam Sandler walking around this room talking. Yeah. And it has some of my it has yeah. some of my favorite dialogue in the entire movie. Like, uh... Like, uh... What was it like? Uh, <laughs> what, what, what did it say? Like, uh... Is your... <laughs> or, like, are you hard? And he just goes, I don't know what it's doing right now. <laughs> Uh, uh or, or like uh or like are you stroking it and he goes no i am not he's <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny that reminds me like i yeah. guess i was gonna bring this up because like i watched it this week with a couple friends and we've been quoting it ever since but there's the scene where uh sandler like he or like he's talking to one of his uh sister's husband who uh who is a uh, uh, I think he yeah. says he's like a dentist. He's a, no, he goes yeah. He goes like he goes. He's a doc. He says he all that Barry knows is that he's a doctor. So he's like, look, I, uh, I don't like myself sometimes. So uh, do you think you could help me with that? And the guy goes, Barry, I'm a dentist. What you need is a <laughs> psychiatrist. I can I can get I can get one for you. <laughs> but I just like yeah. I just like Barry. I'm I'm a dentist. <laughs> There's so much. There's so much deadpan like comedy yeah. lines in this film that are delivered per- perfectly, and I love it every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's all I had to say. That's about all I had as well. All right. Yeah, Punch Drunk um, Love, fantastic, fantastic movie. Go watch it. <laughs> yep, really good. All right. Yeah. So, 
did you have anything else that we wanted to mention? Because I sure do. Oh, uh, are you talking in regards to Punch Drunk Love or just in general? Oh no, in general for like the to go into a, another discussion. Oh, go ahead. All right. I need to talk about something that I discovered thanks to one of my clashes. Uh, so I will have, I will have to talk. Uh, this is gonna be another great conversation about foreign cinema. I have a class this semester that is um, about foreign films, and so the way the class is made is it's a four-hour-long class, which sounds like absolute hell. But the way that is made is that you have about the first half of the class is purely theory, and the second half of the class is you watch a film. They just show yeah, us a film. Uh, I had a I had a class like that last semester too, but it was it was yeah. online, so we didn't actually go to like any kind of place. We just watched the movie and then got on Zoom to talk about it. But um, right. so I understand, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're gonna be talking about uh, at some point. I know at some point we're gonna be talking about Wong Kar Wai, so I'm very excited about that. Ooh. Also gonna be talking about like Aaron and the. Um, um, Middle East countries, but right now we're talking mm. about uh, the Czech uh, Czechoslovak New Wave, oh. which I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, not too familiar. I think all right. My own class might be getting into that, but I'm not sure. So, uh, the well, the Czechoslovak New Wave is kind of similar to what happened in French uh, in France with the the French New Wave, uh, where. You know, it was uh, the filmmakers at the time that wanted to do their kind of like their own style. They were feeling a bit rebellious and they, you know, that kind of stuff. Except that the style of the, the type of movies that they made is extremely different. Like it's two very different things. Um, and mm-hmm. the Czechoslovak new wave is a lot more into like um, surrealism, I'd say. Okay. And. I like um, that. Yeah, it, like at the um, at the beginning, like when, uh, b- before the the teacher started to tell us about the 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 new wave, she said like, "All right, but guys, you gotta get ready because like this is pretty weird stuff. Uh, so you really need to have an open mind for this." And I was like, "Fucking bring it on! I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting my entire life for this. Go on." But so, um. It's th- th- there's a lot of stuff because especially at the time like the situation, uh, especially like in terms of politics in uh, Czechoslovakia was much more different than was in, in France where it w- there was a lot of like censorship and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, especially like, you know this um at, like at, at the end I think like in sixty eight Czechoslovakia was taken by the. Uh, uh, USSR, so um, you know, th- then it became very difficult to uh, for the f- for these filmmakers to make movies. Some of them stopped making movies for uh, a really long time, or some of them moved to America, like uh, a director that a lot of people might know, which is uh, Milos Forman. Really? Who? Uh, yeah, who uh, is known for making uh, uh, Flyover Cuckoo's Nest or Amadeus? Before that, mm. he was. A very important person, a very important director in the um, Czechoslovak New Wave. But so there are two films that we 
watched uh, one short film and one feature film that I really want to talk about because I feel like they're both very interesting. Short so film. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start with the short film, uh, which actually is my favorite of the of the two. Um, it's it's five minutes. Uh, no, never mind. It's twenty minutes long, and you can I'm sure you can probably find it on like YouTube or something. So I really recommend everyone to go watch it once they're done. Um, it's called The Hand. It's an animated short film that's got like stop motion, and um, it's a uh, an allegory on censorship. And that's basically what the film is, and it's basically it's about uh, uh, a small character who loves to sculpt, uh, to to like he loves to do pottery, loves to to make small uh, uh, pots for his uh, for his flowers. Uh, but then there's a hand that comes into his house and tells him, "No, no, 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 no! You're not gonna do. Uh, you're not gonna do that anymore. You're gonna uh, sculpt hands." And ba- basically, um, the small character represents the artist in Czechoslovakia. The hand represents the government. And basically, the throughout the entire short film, the hand just tries in many different ways uh, to make the. Um, the the artist draw hands first starting with uh, propaganda by uh, you know showing him uh, a TV with a lot of hands uh, a newspaper with again a lot of hands but that doesn't work so one once that doesn't work um, the hand which was in a uh, well I want I want don't want to say anything but the the hand which was in a in a white glove then goes into a black glove and goes into a violence mode and. Uh, so that's more like when the government uh, decides to like go uh, more more with like a br- in a brutal way, and it's all all that kind of stuff. And like you know, the, before the teacher showed us this uh, short film, she, she told us like try try to find the different representations of uh, censorship. And I was watching that and I was identifi- identifying a bunch of stuff. And I, throughout the entire film, I was just like, oh my god, this is so good. And yeah, so twenty minutes long, amazing film. I'll take yeah, I'll have to give that a watch. It's I think it's the only short film that gave me like that I had an immediate five star. Really? So just yeah, just saying. I still I still have not seen a short film that I've given five stars. Um, I guess the closest that would be is uh, Jack Stover's Opal. That's probably my favorite short film I've ever seen. Mm. Uh. Right, but ones that ones that got very close are like uh, I I believe it was a French Canadian film uh called a uh, oh uh, called a Fauve. Uh, yep, yeah, I knew you were yeah. gonna say that one. Yeah, yeah, that one's that one's very good. I watched that yeah. in a class uh recently. Uh, but I'm trying yeah, to we were shown that really, uh really good ones. Yeah, I actually have uh I also have like a um a class where. Was the the entire point of that class is to, uh, with like the the end project uh, the, at the end of the semester, which is we're gonna make an actual like short film. We're we're Ooh. actually gonna like hire actors and that kind of stuff, and that's really fucking cool. We're and uh, so everyone in the class is gonna make their own screenplay, and so in, in preparation for that, our teacher has been showing us a bunch of um, a bunch of short films. Which uh, now which I'm excited. Very now nice. I'm excited to see. Now I'm excited to see what you make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also am excited to see what I'm gonna make. Um, 
but yeah, so that I got to watch uh, this month. Uh, I got to watch a bunch of very interesting short films. Um, oh. And that's really that that's been really cool. Because um, you can so you can do so much stuff in a short film. So yeah, that's uh, really fun. I just remembered like two other really good short films that have gotten close yeah. to being like perfect. Is um, Satoshi Kon's uh, short for oh what was that movie called? It was like an Anakiri Fifteen or something. Uh, it was called a, uh-huh. it was Good Morning, and it's like just a minute yep. long. I'm yeah. Uh, I that saw one's that one. Really yeah. good. One's really good. It's basically it really is just like a minute of Satoshi Kon flexing how brilliant he is. <laughs> um, but yeah. um, another another really really good short film is uh from like 1929 from uh Salvador Dali and uh I, I I'm pretty sure you oh. pronounce his name uh Louis Louis Bunel. I'm not too sure. Uh, uh I mean Louis, I'm pretty Louis... sure he's Spanish, so I'm not the best one to say. Yeah, uh, I uh, think it's Lu- it's uh, Bu- Buñuel. I think Buñuel. Probably, but Unshin and him is basically the, is the film. Yeah, uh, but I love yeah, that I movie saw that one because as well. it's. I love that short film because it's so strange. I actually had to write uh, a paper on it, <laughs> so on my hard mm-hmm. drive I have my Unshin and Lu paper, and I and I I just liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's we're not, watching it's a crazy and, fucking film. Oh, it's insane! It's I mean, it's yeah. Salvador Dali doing like most of the visuals, oh, so obviously. Hell yeah! But yeah. I've seen over the past like year, th- especially thanks to class, I've seen like dozens of short films. <laughs> yeah. Um. But what was the uh, what was the movie you watched? Oh, uh, that was a film called Daisies, which was uh, very okay. weird. It's all right. Basically, it's about those uh, two sisters um, that do like they, they they love to. They're a very big representation of like uh, the young people in Czechoslovakia wanting to be like free and to not follow the rules and to be like you know they don't really give a fuck. And yeah. so basically, um, most of the things they do is like they just hang out in their room or they go to like a restaurant and like. Uh, do a bunch of like random shit that may push them puts them in trouble oh and they also eat like in every single scene pretty much they have some kind of food with them and they just eat um <laughs> so this was I'm not add yeah it's, it's honestly really good <laughs> it's not i will say it's not the best film to watch uh in a class uh in the morning when you had a pretty small breakfast because throughout Great. the entire film i was just like oh my god i just want to eat because <laughs> um, uh, it's it's pretty fucking good though, I really like. Yeah, it. it's it's funny that you bring up like classes that you know show mm-hmm. films because I have um a couple of them or I have one of them is basically like every week we watch a film and then the next class we talk about it. But um, uh, I saw like three movies in my in my classes in the past couple weeks. I watched yeah. uh. I watched uh, the Four Hundred Blows, which we already talked about. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I oh, watched, well, we mentioned uh, it. Yeah, we mentioned it. Uh, we watched uh, Repulsion by Roman Polanski, uh, which uh, yes, you know, Polanski, horrible dude. 
he is a pretty good filmmaker though. absolutely uh yeah repulsion repulsion is okay i didn't it wasn't i wasn't blown away by it but you can definitely see like where uh like the because it came mm. out before rosemary's baby you can see like where the sprouts of rosemary's baby started to form uh but we also right. watched uh we also watched one of peter jackson's first films uh called uh, <gasps> heavenly creatures <gasps> which I, th- yeah. I think that's what it's called yeah that movie is pretty wild i liked it yeah for how crazy it was willing to go but it was it was a fun I, one yeah i really have to watch like peter jackson's really like first films uh like the first film he made was it was like an, a, a no budget film that he made with the the i think it was like the with the money he made by working in a movie theater it was called yeah. bad taste and it's honestly for what it is uh from what i've heard also it's like really good and it shows how like how good he was in making a film with what he had yeah um the film also that i it's like one of his uh least popular least known films it's uh meet the feebles which is imagine imagine uh the muppets but a lot more sexual and violent the muppets the muppets but not for kids love it yeah it's actually pretty crazy. <laughs> Peter Jackson, I he is he is some character. <laughs> oh yeah. Um but uh apart from apart from class, in the past week I've been I've been busy with watching movies. Uh yeah. because like I I do like a I do a thing over on uh just kind of my Snapchat where I just talk about like all the watch list movies that I've, or all the movies in my watch list that I've watched recently. Mm-hmm. And like, apart from the movies that we've talked about here, like Harold and Maude, uh, I watched all four Evangelion Rebuild movies. Uh, and uh, I saw mm-hmm. just last night, I went to go see um, a screening of a, a 2019 anime film called uh, Promare. Oh, uh, nice! And I, I really enjoyed it. It was very, very pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been starting to go to the theater more, and I like it. I like it a lot. It, yeah, I. It feels I like need uh, to do that. It feels like old times. <laughs> yeah. Um, See, the the thing is, I really want to do that as well. But one, I live in like the one area of Montreal that doesn't have a, a movie theater. So whenever mm-hmm. I have also I also I don't have a car so whenever I want to see a movie in theater I right. have to do like 30, uh, 30 minute to one hour of, of like bus and subway and that's like you know if I really want to watch a film I'm gonna do that but otherwise it's pretty annoying and uh, yeah right now the, was... yeah yeah or you can go ahead all right well right now the the one film that I really want to watch in theaters is uh, this film called Annette. Mm. It's made by um I'm not not I'm not sure what his name is but he, the guy who made a film called uh Holy Mo- uh, Motors and uh sure it's I've with it. it's with uh Adam Driver and uh Marion Cotillard. Oh wait it's, wait wait uh, is that is that the wait, what was it called again Annette Annette Adam Driver 
Huh. I'm driver. I'll it's um, made with the the story was made by uh, a band uh, called Sparks, which is uh, a band that I mostly discovered with um, a, a documentary that Edgar Wright directed this year, and that was one uh, one of the, like the second film I watched in uh, theaters um, when when they reopened the the this year, and so. You know, it's a it's a band that was like very. They made a lot of music back in like the, more in like the the seventies and eighties, but they're still active today. And they wrote this film, um, this uh, that's really like pretty, pretty wild film. Like, oh. uh, also very like. A lot of people don't like it, but all the people really like it. You know. I just added it to my uh, just to my radar because like, I it must not be showing over like over where I am because like, my my friends and I talk about like Adam Driver movies all the time because like it's I don't know we're film students yeah. what else are we gonna talk about, uh but like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if because literally last night we were at the movie theater and I feel like if we saw. Like like this A and M movie would have been like huh is that Adam Driver um, <laughs> like well it is it is a very a very small film. It's not gonna play in every theater. It's actually I, uh, I was looking it yeah. up in uh, in Montreal. It's playing in one theater. Really? Yeah, and like oh. you know the the entire city of like one point five million uh, <laughs> like population in Montreal. One theater shows this film. That's that's something. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like um, if yeah. It was like when uh, what was it? Bo Burnham's Inside was playing uh, at several theater at, at like like several theaters in Michigan, but not one in Ohio, like at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I can't even <laughs> like I can't even go see it. I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> um, but I will say, if you want uh, another thing that that might make you, or maybe not, I don't know, but that make me at least make you interested in seeing this film. From what I've heard, okay. there is a scene where. Uh, and driver performs oral sex on someone on on a, on a lady while singing. That is an oh actual scene. Oh my god! That's an actual scene that's in the film. Uh, I what was? I adore uh, that man. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! The, my favorite, my it's favorite so review, funny. my favorite re- review of the film on Letterbox is someone who says. I'm driver growled it's tickle time and somebody in my audience literally screamed. That's hilarious. I I uh, love Adam Driver so much. He he is I, I don't know him in real life, but I am certain I am certain that he is probably a very fun man. Cause he seems uh, so like when you see him in interviews <laughs> he seems so genuine. Yeah. I I very much enjoy his work as an actor. Uh but I'm trying to think yeah, of. Uh, I saw another movie in the theater in the last week. Oh, mm-hmm. I saw um, I saw the new James Wan film, uh, Malignant. Ooh, how was uh, that? I did not like it. <laughs> uh, one of my friends really liked it. <laughs> really? I saw I saw it with my girlfriend, and she was very excited because she's a huge like uh, Insidious fan. Hmm. Uh, and oh, so she was right. like, she was like, I want to go see um, Malignant. So I was like, all right. So we went to go see it. And like even she, when we left, she was just like, man, that was just not good, was it? 
Um, <laughs> but like, I I almost feel like this is gonna be another thing because I had a similar situation where like it was a horror movie that like a lot of people really liked and I didn't like at all with uh, Invisible Man. Uh, of, oh I think yeah, it was, right. it, was, it was last year. It was like right before COVID it came out. Um, and I remember like I saw it with my friends and we left and we were all like, man, that was kind of that was kind of dumb. Uh, and then like I see all the reviews the next day and ever and everyone's like praising it and I'm like, I don't really understand. <laughs> I just kind of chalked it up to just it, eh, I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. Uh, but with Malignant, I I am willing to die on the hill, but I think it's kind of dumb <laughs> and really weird. Yeah, I think it's a very like it, sort of it. Uh, it uses a lot of uh, CG in in certain scenes, and for some scenes, yeah. it can blend it can blend in pretty well. But uh, especially in the last act, the CG gets to be a little horrendous. <laughs> mm. So I mean, I don't recommend seeing *Malignant*, but you might get something out of it that I didn't. So. Yeah. I would say go ahead. <laughs> well, I I already know from the start that it's not my kind of, my kind of horror film, so I'm already right. like you know I'm not the kind of person who loves. I I only like specific types of horror films, and I know for a fact that this is not one of those types. I so I'm not interested. I like a good I like a good horror film every now and then. It's just yeah, it's. It's when the movie, like, I understand that being a little bit goofy and being a little bit campy is, like, a staple of the horror genre. But, yeah. if you market yourself, if you market yourself as an actual, like, scary movie, don't do this, like, comedy relief bullshit. Like, I, yeah, there was a movie a couple of years back called, uh, Brightburn, uh, it, it was, like, I remember it was marketed as like a very serious take on the idea of a like a Superman type story, but with a with like a with like a with a with Superman being evil instead. So like it's this kid who like uses his superpowers for evil, and I was like, God, that sounds kind of cool. I'll go see yeah. that. And I went to go see it. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've seen in a while uh, uh-huh. because it was just it was just funny. Like it was like really really uh-huh. funny. Uh, uh, in in not a good way, uh. But I remember we were leaving the theater, and one of my friends was like, "Yeah, I remember seeing it being marketed as like a horror comedy," and I went back. I was like, "There's no way that's true." Really? And I watched like I watched like every trailer, read like a couple interviews. No, it was marketed as like a pretty serious horror movie. So like, I don't see where that comes from at all. I I hated that movie, <laughs> uh. Which I'm I'm sure you don't. Like okay, I'm not gonna say anything that explicitly spoils it for anybody, but I will say uh, I had probably the funniest, one of the funniest theater experiences uh, ever when I was watching it because it was like yeah. it was like the perfect cherry on top of a really bad movie was literally like you see um, like just kind of like the the last shot of the movie and then. Like the words "bright burn" come on screen. It's like about to start the credits, but right before the credits start, mm-hmm. you hear Billie Eilish come in and go, "I'm the bad guy," and then it cuts to the credits, and I was like, "Oh no!" Huh? 
I don't mind. Okay. I don't. I don't mind Billie Eilish, but that was yeah. like the worst use of music I've heard in a movie in a long time. Well, I guess. I guess yeah, it was. It's really it was, like it was. You know, it was. It was two years ago still, but it was like it's just a weird moment. <laughs> Which who directed you know what? that one? But you know what's funny about my yeah, go ahead. what's what's funny about my opinion uh, on horror films is like just how much it changed um, in the last four or five years. Like yeah. back when I was fourteen years old, I remember I, I kept saying like I don't understand why people like horror films. Like you know the being scared is not a fun thing so why would you go watch a movie simply just to be scared and then you jump to today where like if you give me a horror film that is like is precisely the kind of horror film that i like i'm going to have such an awesome time you know oh yeah i always understood why like certain scary things could be fun like i always loved like an idea that like kind of like gets at me and makes me go like oh that's creepy um but, like, I was the same as you. Like, I was always just kind of like, I don't understand these horror movies, though. Because, like, I don't know. I never understood, like, Insidious or uh, The Conjuring. I especially never understood The Conjuring. Uh, because I remember... Yeah. I saw uh, I saw The Nun when it came out. Which was, I, I'm pretty sure it was in The Conjuring series. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, like, everything a horror movie shouldn't be. And honestly, I think it's, <laughs> like... For the past, like, th- three or four years, the worst movie I've seen in those in those years have been horror movies. Mm. Like, there's Slenderman, yeah. Ma was really bad. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other, like, really, really off-the-wall, awful films. Um, I, feel, I feel like Netflix yeah, made a lot of very bad horror films. Yeah. Netflix wasn't good either with that. <laughs> yeah. Netflix Netflix had a bit of an issue with just making movies in general because I feel like the t- the 2010s were were kind of a an era for Netflix to like pad out what they have as like Netflix originals. Like they made some good calls here and there like their stand-up comedian had or like their stand-up comedy lineup yep. was good. They had, um, well, like they had Stranger Things, which was good for a while. Um, uh, trying to think of other like they have Black Mirror. Black Mirror is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but um, like they had they had to, Roma pretty early on. They did have Roma. I forgot about Roma. Yeah, it was like yeah, it Roma, was like twenty seventeen. Really good. They had Roma. They had yeah. the Irishman. Uh, the Irishman, but, but like, that was more recent though. Yeah, that was like twenty nineteen. But, but then you yeah. then you get films like like the Kissing Booth trilogy or like uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before or uh, just random stuff that they seem to just throw money out uh, or throw money at and get onto their platform. And at some point, it kind of became like kind of uh, over or like kind of what's what's the word i'm looking for just oversaturation of uh, either yeah. mediocre stuff or just bad stuff in general like obviously you'll find mm-hmm. stuff here and there that's like pretty good but like for the most part <laughs> i 
I feel like Netflix also got very just like any um, any any other streaming service got very lucky during the the pandemic because a, a, a bunch of movies that were supposed to be only released in theaters ended up being released on Netflix like especially I'm, I'm thinking about Mank by David Fincher oh yeah uh, but I, I know there were a few others I just can't think of them right now um, it is a shame though that uh, Mank is in my opinion uh, David Fincher's worst film or at least that's good that's what I I've say. heard that's what I've heard I, I haven't did, seen Mank I haven't seen Mank yet but. I will say it's kind of boring That's the consensus I've heard from basically everyone who talks about it. It's, yeah. And also, I think it's funny how, like, well, not funny, but kind of ironic how the the reason why, I don't know if you know this, but the reason why David Fincher made this film was because it was written many years ago by his father. Really? And uh, yeah, it, w it was written by his dad. And so I kind of like as a tribute to his dad, he decided to uh uh you know direct the film and then it was nominated nominated to a bunch of different oscars not a single one was for the screenplay oh so i feel you know like it it's cool that he did that i'm happy for him that he got to do that and i'm sure it was a very uh at least interesting experience The screenplay, especially for David Fincher film, was really not the best one he's worked with. And yeah, I f yeah, I and haven't feel seen it, yeah. so I yeah, I haven't seen it, so I can't like attest to it. But I need to, I need to go on like a David Fincher binge sometime soon, just so I can watch all of his yeah. movies and, fi I mean, and finally I get finally get what everyone's talking about. <laughs> I mean, I recommend that the you watch it because it's not, uh, it's my least favorite of his films, but it's still a, a David Fincher film. So it's like, oh, yeah. You know, it's obviously. like a three, three out of five. Uh, I was, I was, three, three and a half. I was, I was intending to watch it, like, not soon, but like mm -hmm. eventually. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was, I saw it. I remember when it was nominated for like Best Picture. Uh, I. <laughs> I like I saw it but I was not surprised <laughs> cuz that's like the exact yeah. movie that they would that they would put on the best picture list that's very it's, typical of yeah. like, the Oscars. <laughs> uh but well something that we'll say that um is, is like a thing I didn't like about the film that I think is uh worth mentioning is uh so the film I, I don't know if you know what the film's about but it's about for for those who don't know it's about the i forgot his full name but the guy who wrote citizen kane mm -hmm. and um the thing is that he the, the the story is not as interesting as what it may seem uh and throughout the entire film you know, like yeah the, the character was you know uh, had a bunch of funny moments and that kind of stuff but i felt like um especially when it had scenes with orson welles In a lot of those scenes, I thought, well, you know what? I think I'd rather ha watch a film about Orson Welles right now than watching a film about him. Yeah, uh, he would have been <laughs> he, he he would have been a great secondary character in a in an Orson Welles uh, biopic, you know. Yeah, that sounds sounds good to me. Yeah, I I 
I would love yeah. to see, like, an Orson Welles biopic, because he's just such an interesting man. Yeah. It's like, um... Because, I, I, I don't know if you knew about, like, the whole story of his uh, contract on, uh... When he made Citizen Kane, but, like... He, he was 25 years old. Uh, no one... He, he was just a guy who was making plays in uh, in New York. And then out of nowhere, he was asked to make a film. And he was giving, like, given, like, a full creative control over the film. At 25 years old for his first film. Which is, like, no one has ever had that before that. No one has ever, ever had that since. And oh, no one else will ever have that. It's like yeah. the greatest, the greatest opportunity, opportunity that you could ever have. It's actually insane. I, I gotta say, I love Citizen Kane. Like I didn't think I would, because like I just I remember. Yeah. Because last year uh, in my film class we watched like a lot of the greats, you know, like Casablanca. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like Rebel Without a Cause. Uh, but I remember Citizen Kane specifically being one where I'm like. Oh, you know, this is probably one of those ones that's like, you know, it'll be like very impressive for the time, but maybe it's not too entertaining right now. Citizen Kane is a fantastic sure, yeah. movie from beginning to end. Uh, um, and I, yeah. I really I will like s- it. Yeah. Yeah, that's just all I gotta say. I will say that uh, it's, I feel like, at least it was the case for me, I feel like it's. A film that's better to watch if you know, like the um, the whole context about it, because when you know exactly what this film changed and how much it changed Hollywood, it really makes you think like, yeah, that's actually insane. All, all yeah. that he managed to do with in only one film. Um, yeah. But besides that, I don't know. It, it, I mean, obviously it was good, but I didn't. It it wasn't a five. Uh, five star for me, you know. I get it. Yeah, I'll definitely be picking up uh, the Criterion set though. <laughs> yeah, me too. When it when it when it drops in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, which speaking of which, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the uh, Criterion announcements of the last couple months because I feel like that yeah. could be that could be like a fun thing we do monthly. Mm. I guess on here is just discuss the new the new announcements. Sure. Yeah, they, yeah, they they announced the new ones like this week, didn't they? Yeah, they announced it like a, just the other day. So on, let me see. Yeah, let me get to the Criterion coming soon page. Right. Uh, so obviously, you know, in the past yeah. month, in the past month, they announced, uh, you know, they announced the uh, their step into the four K market, mm-hmm. uh, with obviously the return of Citizen Kane into the collection. Uh, but yep. other movies they're releasing in 4K are what are Uncut Gems. They're re-releasing yep. Mulholland Drive. They're, the Red uh, Shoes. Yeah, they're, re- they're re-releasing the Red Shoes. They're also releasing a Menace to Society, which I'm very excited about. Yep. Uh, but other, I guess, just other announcements that are coming out in the coming months are uh, like uh, La Strada by Fellini is getting its own individual mm-hmm. release. Uh, yep. Devi by Sajiet Ray. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, Onibaba, which I'm very excited about. It's, me too. Yeah, it seems. I am, it, it looks I'm, amazing. I'm definitely picking that one up. Oh, yeah. uh, there's uh, the Once Upon a Chi- Once Upon a Time in China box set, which won't be an immediate pickup yep. for me, but I can definitely see myself picking it up in the future. Uh, yeah. There is uh, uh, the Learning Tree, which I don't know anything about, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, one that I thought was especially interesting uh, was the collection's first film from 2020 is getting released uh one night in mm-hmm. miami from regina king uh yep. and i had actually not heard that of this that was one. a big surprise yeah really i had actually not heard of this one yeah until until the criterion announcement so i'm looking forward to uh probably watching it soon and deciding whether or not i want to pick it up when it releases i uh yeah i only yeah. heard about it because like it was nominated for a couple oscars and oh, you know the right, story yeah. of like you know it's like a, a film with Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim uh Jim Brown and oh, Sam yeah. Cooke and it's like you hear that and it's like that sounds like a very interesting story. Uh but I've, sounds, yeah, I I haven't seen it. Immediately immediately grabbed me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see I guess how that how that film goes. Uh but I guess uh since since these will since most of these will be coming out in the uh, in the period of time uh, during that November sale, I will probably I I would say my my for sure pickups will be Onibaba, uh, Mulholland Drive 4K, Citizen Kane 4K, Uncut Gems 4K, and uh, Menace to Society 4K. So yeah. I'll, I'll be picking up a good number. <laughs> well i know i know that i'm i'm not gonna get any of the 4k because i don't have like i don't have uh, a 4k blue uh blu-ray uh, mm. reader i don't even have a 4k tv or monitor uh i didn't I have, don't yeah i didn't have a 4k reader until i got my playstation 5 <laughs> so i understand mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, like uh, I'll be honest. Also, just in general, I don't feel the need to to get them in 4K. I'm like oh, I really understand. fine with uh, with Blu-ray. Like I'm very satisfied with Blu-ray. But I'm definitely gonna get the red shoes, but the al- already released uh, Blu-ray because that was that's a film yeah. that I watched this summer and I was blown away by it. It's a beautiful film. Ooh, I'll have to check it out. Then. Um, it's really um, good. I was, I, yeah. I was contemplating whether or not I wanted to buy the 4K, but I eventually decided on yes because it's just like, obviously I can play them now. I don't have a 4K TV yet, uh, but like the thing about um, just the difference between the 4K versions and the Blu-ray versions that it, the 4K is like, you know, just a little bit more like 20. It, it's like 25. It, if we're comparing it like the the half off sale it'll be like 25 rather than 20 so like and it comes with a blu-ray version of it anyway so i'm like "Eh, why not (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that'll be fine but yeah i i'll be picking up those those films at least from the recent sale or from the recent announcements yeah but i know that like because i only buy criterions during the um 50 percent sales 
I'll so I know that during yeah, so I know that the, during the next one, I'm mostly gonna get pre-released uh, films. I know mm. that I'm probably gonna get the one car white box set. Uh, I, I recommend I, it. It was yeah. I don't. It's probably if I had to get if I had to like I don't know if I had to say it's probably my favorite Criterion release I own. It's just so yeah. good. Because it's like I don't have a single. Uh, box set from Criterion, and if I were to get one, I feel like that would definitely be the best one. Um, oh, yeah. I also really, um, I, I want to get an Eclipse uh, box set. Yeah, because I know you, uh, you talk, you got like the early Kurosawa film. Is that? Is yeah, that what you got? I got their, yeah. I got the uh, their releases of the uh, first four films of of Kurosawa. Uh, and I'm sometime in the future. I'm hoping to get the uh, the post-war Kurosawa set that they have, so I can just kind of complete the Kurosawa thing. Um, yeah, but in terms of like what I want to pick up this November, mm-hmm. like my my uh, my primary pickups are obviously all the ones I just mentioned uh, from the sale. Uh, but I also yeah. want to pick up uh, Yojimbo and Sanjiro. And uh, I also want to pick up this. Um, I I believe I'm I'm gonna look it up so I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna look up what country it's from so I'm not wrong. Uh, one second. It's a Hong Kong film, uh, Throwdown, uh, by Johnny Toe, and it's releasing uh, on Criterion this month. Okay. But it it looks really cool. So I'm definitely it's it's gonna be a complete right. bi- blind buy, but I'm fine with it because it looks really nice. Uh, but I also, I probably want to, I'll probably want to get like maybe another David Lynch or actually, no, I'm getting Mulholland Drive already. I'll probably get like another, <laughs> uh, another Tarkovsky or something. <laughs> mm, yeah. I'd have, uh, I'd have to check cause I made a list during the, the last sale and there were a few films that I didn't get to, to buy. There's, there's two films that. Uh, ever since my first uh, Criterion sale, which was back in February, ever since that sale, there was two films that like, there there were always the film that like didn't make the the cut of the films that I uh, wanted to get, which are Eyes Without a Face, which is a really good like horror film, a French horror film from 1960, and mm-hmm. uh, Brazil by Terry Gilliam. Mm. I think we talked about that one. Yeah, um, uh, but so, so I, as I said, I was uh, planning on getting an Eclipse box set, and recently I was going through um, the the ones they have to see, like which one interest interested me the most. And then I saw that they had one called uh, it, it's the thirty uh, second one. It's called Pearls of the Czech New Wave. So yeah. that that's with uh, that goes with what we were talking earlier, and. Uh, I am gonna see, but I think I may get that one. I, in terms of like Eclipse box set, like I went through and looked through all the uh, Eclipse ones because I'm really, I was really interested. I want to get obviously post war Kurosawa. I want to get a uh, Nikatsu Noir, which is like, it seems like a, I think it's Hong Kong like old noir films, which I think is really cool. Uh, I want to get a, hmm. I want to get Mazuki Kobayashi against the system. He directed like uh, Human Condition, Harakiri. Yeah. 
so I just want to see. I, I haven't seen any, I haven't seen either of those yet, but I just want to. I'm interested in his uh, in his film I'm in his so, uh, catalog. Yeah, I'm so curious to watch the Human Condition, but it's mm. it's so long. I but it sounds so the, good. Yeah. I bought the old uh, DVD release they had of it, where it's like uh, mm. the digipack, and I just kind of. I bought it a while ago for pretty cheap, and I just kind of have it sitting over on my shelf, just waiting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to think of uh, what are some other ones that? What are some other like good ones? Oh yeah, and I also wanted to mention I want to get the uh, the Up All Night with Robert Downey Sr. Uh, set that they have because mm. that's just it just sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah. Because I went and read like synopsis of all the movies, um, but I wanted to talk about. Uh, pickup i had recently from uh another uh boutique blu-ray label uh arrow video uh-huh. so oh, i have nice. i have never bought uh an arrow release until recently uh when one caught my eye it was the box set uh solid metal nightmares uh which is the work of uh Tsukamoto. uh and it is from what I from what I could find online, it's a collection of like really weird Japanese like cult horror films, and I mm. am so excited to get into it. <laughs> oh, uh, but that I'm, seems I'm, so cool. Yeah, I'm currently I'm currently putting it off though, so I can finish all the Criterion pickups I have, because I have right. like I have like almost half of my Blu-ray collection to watch. <laughs> Yeah. In terms of like, I have like, like obviously like before trilogy, the rest of the Bruce Lee box set, uh, Mishima, Stalker, like three colors. Yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta watch me. You gotta watch Mishima. It's really good. Oh yeah, I'm al- I'm almost wanting to save that though for when we talk about it. So uh, I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably save Mishima and uh, Patriotism for when we talk about those films. Yeah. Um. The the only criterion that I still haven't watched that I own is uh, the Fisher King by Terry Gilliam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get to it at some point. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like I I intend to watch the before trilogy probably next week. So I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, I think you know. I think it's funny how you uh, you're mentioning the like you've been watching a bunch of movies recently because it's kind of been kind of been the opposite for me. Um, mm-hmm. But what, uh, whenever it comes to when it comes to movies, it's uh, I'm it's always a question of like phases. You know, I'm gonna have a month. You know, it's like I'm gonna have a month where I'm gonna wa- watch 20, 28 movies, and then I'm gonna have another month where I'm gonna watch two movies. You know. <laughs> and, I get that. Uh, yeah, and recently for like for a uh, a big part of the of the summer, I've been kind of like in a uh, not watching a lot of movies phase, you know. And uh, yeah, I get it. I want, I want to. The the one thing that I want to do is I want to really use my Criterion Channel subscription as much as mm. possible. Because like especially recently they like they added they added so many films that I want to watch like there's 
Uh, there's a film that they added that I've uh, been looking forward to, to watching for a long time, which is uh, Heaven Can Wait, which Who is a film. That one? It's oh, what's his what's his name? Um, Ernst Lubitsch. Oh, yeah, I've heard that name. It's yeah, it's uh, actually the, it's a film that I discovered when I was watching like uh, Criterion uh, Collection pickup videos on uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, one of one of those guys that mentioned this film, and he um, he explained what the synopsis was, and just by that I thought, holy shit, I have to watch that. Which basically, from what from what I understand, it's a guy who um, it dies, and is uh, I think he's actually accidentally put in hell instead of being put in heaven so like oh sorry sir we're gonna put you back in in heaven but but he's like no 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 no. i want to stay in hell and basically the whole movie is him trying to explain why he should stay in hell really yeah and i he explained that and i thought that sounds amazing what was it called again uh heaven can wait heaven can wait okay yep it's it kind of reminds me of another film that I really want to see, but that unfortunately is not on the Criterion Channel, but it is on the uh, Criterion Collection, which is um, a matter of life and death by uh, Powell and Pressburger, which mm-hmm. is um, um, it's it's during the it's during World War Two where there's there's a a soldier who miraculously survives a plane crash and basically the reason for that is because uh heaven forgot him they forgot to like take him and so basically uh the the film is him trying to like uh stay on earth and not going to heaven you know and uh fun fact it actually is daniel reckless favorite film i think really yeah so uh, why not? But it seems like a very, very good film. That seems so those fun. Are two films yeah. that I'm very excited to watch. They also added like a uh, New York, uh, like a bunch of films that are related to New York. So there's Do the Right Thing. There's Perfect. West Side Story. There's the it's the Apartment by Will, uh, Billy Wilder, which seems really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a bunch have of you, different films. Have you mm-hmm. seen Do the Right Thing? I have not. It's on my watch list. I I like that one a lot. (laughs) Yeah. In one of my classes, we watched like five minutes of it. It was the scene where like um, uh, all the different ethnicities are trash talking about the other ones. You know, like the uh, uh, black are trash talking about the uh, Koreans. Koreans are talking about the, you know, that kind of stuff. I thought that was uh, pretty funny and very well written. And uh, it looks like a pretty good film. It's a very, very well-written film. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I'm, uh, I'm looking at my, um, and and my watch list on the the Criterion Channel. There's so much stuff. So much, so, so much stuff that I want to watch. There's, uh, there's something that I discovered pretty recently that is, uh that I'm very interested about is, I, I don't know if you know about that. It's the Martin Scorsese's world cinema project. Yes. I am interested. Yeah. I'm interested in that too. 
Yeah. So, well, so for those who don't know, it's uh, it's a collection of a bunch of films that uh, Martin Scorsese put into the Criterion Collection that are uh, foreign films that he thinks are really worth watching. So there's, um, I, I'd say probably the most famous one in the those films is uh, A Brighter Summer Day by uh, Edward Yang. There's mm. also like a bunch of films from uh, from Africa, from uh, Asia, from South America, from everywhere basically. And especially a lot of countries that you 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 don't really um, pe most people don't really know that much about like their um, cinema. Like there's uh, there's a film from Senegal. There's a film from. Cuba, there's a film from the from Turkey, from the Philippines, anywhere basically, and it's yeah. like it sounds so interesting, and it's like yeah, I, especially as someone who really wants to uh, watch as many foreign films as possible, and really want to grow like a, uh, I want to cultivate myself, you know, and it's it's very uh, it seems like the, the the best place to start, you know, yeah. No, I would love to. I would love to pick one of those up and just kind of get into it. Yeah, there. I think all the films are in the Criterion uh, channel. So, if anyone's interested in getting a uh, subscription, I highly recommend it. It's very worth it with all you get. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh. I I was considering mm -hmm. it, but uh, I might I might do it sometime like soon i'm not too sure <laughs> yeah it's uh, there's another film that i need to mention that might interest you it's a film called being there uh which is directed by hal ashby so the guy who directed harlan moan and mm -hmm. uh it's i don't really know the story but it seems very good um it seems a lot. I think it's a. It's more like uh, dramatic than Howlin' Mode. It's more focused. It's less focused on the comedy, but it seems really good. I will but add it to I my to watch list. Yeah. Which um, uh, is all? Is that almost uh, six hundred movies? By the way. <laughs> Ooh. Because I've just Hell been yeah. I've I've been cultivating it since, uh, I think like. Maybe a year ago by now, because I I had to have made it back in like September of twenty twenty. Because I, 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 yeah, believe, let's, I let's believe I believe the champagne. Yeah, I believe I. <laughs> I believe I talked about because it was I made it just because everybody was like everybody in my film school was just like what you haven't seen this movie and I'm like all right fine. <laughs> oh shit! Hold on, you're at five hundred ninety six. All right, let's find you four films that you don't have. Four films. <laughs> Four okay. films. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Right. Four films. Um, <laughs> hold on, I'm looking at my uh, uh, in my letterbox, but I feel like there's a, I feel like any film that I'm gonna tell you, they're already gonna be in your list. I'll t I'll tell you if they are or not. Yeah. Um. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do you have? Oh, oh, oh! I know what you have to put, and I'm, pre I'm, I'm sure that you don't have it. Uh, is it's a documentary made by Anya Varda uh, called Faces Places. I do not have that yet. 
I was I was intending to ah. put all of I was intending to put all of Agnes's uh film films in because I enjoy I enjoy yeah. her a lot. Uh, I have me. to watch. I want to watch all of her documentaries because she's like she that's the sweetest lady. Oh, I lo- I love her. No, that's oh that's like I don't know if I have some money to splurge during the November sale, I will splurge mm-hmm. for the Varda box set. Oh man, it's so pretty. It's so oh, it's so I pretty. It. I'm very. Uh, I've I've been eyeing it a lot recently. I might just do it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like right, so especially faces play. Uh, yeah. So that's five ninety seven. Uh. Yep. Ah uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> No, it's uh, I, it was like oh that, all right, oh you know what? Never mind. Uh, it's, so it's a film that I haven't seen, but a film that I'm very curious to see. It's called Mala Noche, made by uh, Gus Vincent. Okay. So the guy uh, who directed uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting and uh, what's the film with Keanu Reeves and uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's brother? Uh, uh, my own private Idaho. Is that the film? Or am yes, I, yeah, yes, my own private what Idaho. Is. What was yeah, it called so, again? Uh, Mala, Mala Noche. Mala Noche. Uh, so I know I, I already, I already have a couple of his films in the watch list, like My Own Private Idaho, Idaho, and yeah. like Elephant. Uh, but like, what yeah, I have to is? watch Elephant. Trying to find it on Letterbox. Hold up. <laughs> um, it's, but but yeah. The, so that's a film that we um I, I had a class last year about nice. I had a class yeah. last year about like uh oh that just remind me of other films that I could tell you. But yeah, so I had a class last year about Hollywood cinema, uh, which was a great class, and. Um, uh, so the, he, there were a couple of classes about independent cinema, and so there was one specifically about Gus Vincent, and uh, mm-hmm. this film seemed very. It's, it's like uh, a film about like the uh, you know gay rights and the uh, that kind of stuff, but back in like the the eighties, seventies, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems it seems pretty good, so. Um. There's, hold on. Let me just. What, what was that? Oh yeah, all right. Damn, you got like the whole police department in your street. Oh, police department going going crazy. Yeah. Right. Um. Ooh. You might have this one. Uh, I'm okay. not sure. It's called Fireworks, by uh, Takeshi Kitano. I do not have this. Which, all right. Well, so I'm, I'm guessing you've probably heard the name Takeshi Kitano. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure I have. What has he made? Yeah, it's. Uh, well, so the the thing is, uh, he's much more than just a director. He's like a massive superstar in Japan. Like he started as a stand-up comedian, and then he became like a uh, TV host and uh, an actor. He's mostly known uh, in the West. He's mostly known for being the the 
the teacher, well, the the principal in uh, Battle Royale. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and that's fun. Fireworks is uh, one of the films that he's directed, and it's oh, apparently yeah. really good. I definitely I, I added that, and now we are at five ninety nine. One last one. Last last one last one last one. All right. Last um. One. Hold on. All right. I'm. Th this one seems like a very fun film, and I know that. Uh, I know that it's the film that it's one of those films that like. It fits everything that, like, I, I know I'm going to love it, you know? So, I, and I, I'm sure you would probably like it. It's the uh, movie adaptation of Clue, like the board game with uh, oh, Tim Curry. I have actually already seen that. Well, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, oh, mm, you probably have that one, but do you have uh, Suspiria by Dario Argento? Yep, got that one. All right, <laughs> all right, good. Um. Oh yeah, alright. I got a good one. I got a good one. Um Alright. It's so that's another film that um I I had in my Hollywood cinema class uh last year. And it's a film that the teacher uh told us about and then I completely forgot the name of the film and I uh f for like almost a year I've been thinking about like, oh what is it? And well this morning I had a class with this teacher that like uh, that had that had the Hollywood cinema class, and so I asked him, "Hey, that was the basically the story of the film. Do you know what that is?" Oh, and he said, "Oh yeah, that is Splendor in the Grass. It's uh, mm. so basically it's a film from 1961. It's a romance film about a um a you know it's it's, it's a romance about like high uh, high school students, but it's also a film that talks a lot about like." heartbreaks and uh also mental health in a way that films didn't talk about that in uh, 1961 okay and um it's a, like um the the scene that he shows us uh, showed us was um like she she had not, not necessarily a panic attack but almost something like that in her class and she just like ran uh ran away from the class and uh, then she'll, uh, the scene after after that uh, that we saw too was uh, her having like a uh, an argument with uh, her parents, and it was very uh, it's strangely strangely relevant. Okay. And, uh, so I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna have to watch that, but it seems like very good film. All right, we are at six hundred. Hell yeah. <laughs> That was fun. All right. That was a fun little that was a fun little moment. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun little challenge. Right. Yeah. Cuz I have like I personally really don't I I know I don't have as many films like my watch list isn't representative of 
like what I actually want to watch, you know. Like I have 316 films in my watch list mm-hmm. like actually on Letterbox, but I know for a fact that like I actually have a lot of films that I want to watch that just aren't on my uh on my watch list. Yeah. I see yeah, there's like a lot that I forget about. Like uh I've been wanting to watch like Promare forever. Uh and only until I went to go yeah. see it the other night did I realize I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even add that to my watch list." So like I retroactively put it in the watch list. Yeah. I was like I've been I was like I've been wanting to watch that forever. I'll talk about it. <laughs> now yeah. I'm just curious. Now I want what I want to do now is I want to check all the films that I have seen that you haven't on your watch list, and then I'm I want to shame you for it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, not but not necessarily shame you, obviously, but just um, just, just have a bit of fun. <laughs> is your is your list updated? Uh, yes. Go to not my not like my uh, watch list. No, but section. like yeah, I I know it's like uh, a list that you made like Alex watch list full version, right? Yeah, I just I just yeah. updated it with all those movies, so it should right. be at it should be at six oh one because I right. just added Promare. Uh Okay, but there's Millennium Actress in it though. Yeah, this is the this is the version with even with stuff I've seen. Oh, so, oh, I, so I, keep, one, uh... I keep a I keep a checklist to myself, but uh, I guess just like uh, shoot, hang on. Let me. I wonder if there's any way to see like which ones your friends. Because I saw like I I was going through uh. The films that I had seen, I was like, "Wait, you haven't watched Seven Samurai?" But I feel we, like we talked about that. Yeah, we definitely talked. To, uh, yeah, I guess just bring some up, and I'll tell you whether or not I watched them yet. <laughs> There's all right. This is that. That's just pretty funny. There's literally Punch Drunk Love in the list. Yeah, that was that was one of like my early additions to the watch list. <laughs> right. It's funny how I can definitely see there's a few films that I, that I see that definitely, like, I'm definitely the one who uh, told you to watch that, like Tampopo. <laughs> yeah, Tampopo's yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's like one of the, the films that I really hope gets picked later, like, when we choose uh, next week's film. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, there's... Uh, it's a, it's a big list. Oh, it's massive. <laughs> yeah. I oh, contemplated. Uh, no, yeah. I, I contemplated stopping at 500, but I was like, no, I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah. Why stop? Just make it even crazier. Yeah. Just go as, go as far as I can go with it. Just see how much I can add. Yeah. <laughs> You seen any uh seen any surprises yet? Um not really, honestly. Okay. It's like all the stuff that you have the you haven't seen is like, yeah, I get that. Like I know you mentioned that you you hadn't seen any uh John Waters film. Nope. Uh, yeah, that's what those are all on there. <laughs> yeah. Um 
I'm going to say uh, for John Waters, my first film that I watched from him is uh, Female Trouble. I'm not mm. sure if it's the best one to, to start with because it's very... Um, it's... I don't know. It's, it's something that's not... Uh, it's, it's not very easy to go through that in like through the entire thing in one shot because uh, it's very strange and very uh, almost... almost I don't want to say disturbing, but like I don't really know. Just uncomfortable. What. Yeah, I guess. But I, I remember like w before I started the film, I didn't know that the main character was played by uh, by a Jack queen. I thought mm -hmm. it was just like a uh, you know a female actress, and then I saw Divine. Uh, like I started acting, I was like, oh my god, this guy is a genius. Oh yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to get into some John Waters soon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Mishima we mentioned. Yeah, have you seen um. Have you seen a uh, a film by Igmar Bergman? Not yet. No, I have. Huh. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I have Seventh Seal on there. Uh, you also and... have a Persona. Yes, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I, I'm pretty sure I also added like. Autumn Sonata or something like that. Probably. Uh, yeah. But those are the two. Seven Seal and Persona are the two that I have seen. I will Ooh. say I personally prefer Persona. Uh, but Seven Seal has an amazing third act. Like the... Mm. Uh, okay. I'm not going to say anything. But the end of the film is fucking great. I'm honestly mainly waiting until I get this, the box set. Which will be a while from now. But like... Yeah, oh man. Eventually, I do want to get the the Bergman box set and just just blast through them. <laughs> how, how much? How much is it? Because it's so big. It's it's like I think the base price is like three hundred, but whoever buys Criterion right. stuff at full price, so it would uh, be it would be it would be one hundred and fifty during the uh, sale. Which for a box set of that size, that's not bad. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Same thing with the uh, Verita box set, which is, I think, the same number yeah. of films. It's, like, basically her entire filmography, and she had, like, a 60-year uh, career, you know? Yeah. It's... it's The, the Verita bo box set is $200. No, no, it's 250 so it's mm. like uh, 125, and you get like that's really good. I think, I think you get 30 films. So it's actually a really good deal. That's incredible. Yeah, I gotta. Uh, I'm now. I really want to pick it up during the. Sale. I know I'm not gonna be able to get it. <laughs> I I know I'm not gonna be able to get it during the the next sale, but I really want to get it at some point. Yeah, like so do I. There's uh, there's so many boxes that I want to get. I want to get the uh, uh, the even though I have never seen one of the films, I really want to get the Jacques Demy uh, box set. Cause it's Even just eventually, like, I'll get like all of those box sets like Fellini and in Demi, but like I'm mainly looking out for like. Oh yeah, the Fellini one seems great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like the Bergman box set. Obviously, the the Varda box set. I'm also really looking yeah. forward to uh, the uh, Lone Wolf and Cub box set, which is like six films. Oh, I also really uh, want to get. I also really want to get the uh, Zetoichi box set. 
which is like oh yeah what was it something like 27 movies <laughs> it's a lot all, all I will from say, one though, series i will say though i have seen the first that's what she film it's fine but it's mm-hmm. not like especially uh considering that like my only experience with uh um, samurai film is kurosawa compared yeah. to kurosawa it's like not not that great i'll say right uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know how the other films uh, hold up to that one. So maybe, maybe they're better. But I also want to get the uh, the Godzilla. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. I completely like, forgot to mention that. Yeah, it was God, spine, uh, so spine, cool. spine one thousand. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Show era. It's a beautiful box set. Yeah. Also, the kind of box set that is impossible to sort anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'd a probably, very. I'd probably do the same thing I did with my my one car Y box set, which I took, I took all the discs out of the out of the sleeves and I put them in separate cases and just put it on my shelf. Because <laughs> I didn't want to keep them in the that's, paper. That's you're going to hell. Just so I'm you going know, to hell. But... I'm going to hell. Why am I yeah. going to hell? I don't. I, I let's just say I don't approve. You don't but approve? Sure, I, d- <laughs> I, just, I do not approve. I just wanted to keep my. Di- I just wanted to keep them safe. I didn't trust I them. Get in that. that. I didn't. I didn't trust them in that packaging, especially since no, like when I, especially since when I opened it, twenty forty six, almost fell on the damn ground. All right. You know what? I get that. I still disagree, though. But I get that. <laughs> All right. At least, at least you understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand your madness. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, oh man. It's uh, like there's so so many films that I want to watch but so little time. Oh, same here. It's I like know, I really the the, the the amount of time that I told myself, "Oh, I'm going to start watching one film a day for an entire year." I tried to do that this year and I felt miserably like I, I'm curious, how long did it take me to fail? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, could, I don't know if I could ever do that because, like, I feel like I'd get burnt out on watching movies way too quick, and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> you know what? I actually lasted 15 days. That's <laughs> that's actually I actually did better than I remembered. Oh, you thought as much less. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? Uh, the eighth, the January eighth, wasn't even a film. It was a Doctor <laughs> Who episode that I, that I logged on Letterbox anyway. I, I was like, yeah, sure, sure, why, whatever it counts. Yeah. yeah. No, but I get it. Sometimes, like sometimes, I come home and like I just am not in the mood at all. <laughs> yeah. I was able like, to mu- I was able to mm-hmm. muster up like the motivation to finish Evangelion in a weekend. But like after mm-hmm. that, I was like, after that, I was like, I'll just, I'll watch a movie like, in a couple days. <laughs> right. Cause like I, I really want to watch a movie tonight, but I don't know if I have the uh, oh, physical I, and mental energy to do that. I don't know if I will. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, I, I it's it's uh we're recording this on Friday night. I've had my entire I had my entire week behind me, and it's like I woke up at six a.m. this morning. And oh. I have like five, four and a half hours of sleep in my body, and I am probably gonna go to sleep not too long after 
we start we stopped recording <laughs> i am i'm exhausted i'll say that it's like because you know i just started school which is like oh now we now that you're back in school you have to wake up at 6 or 8 a.m every day oh sure uh but just so you know i'm also gonna keep going to sleep at 2 a.m because i'm a yeah. fucking idiot i oh my god i do the same thing like i don't okay like i i probably should be waking up at like six in the morning because like now that i don't live on campus like i used yeah. to i have to use the i have to i have to take the mm-hmm. bus and it yeah, the same. bus is the buses in my area don't run like ones in the city where it's like oh yeah you know it's like uh it's like it'll be here like every every 15 30 minutes like clockwork no my buses are literally just like get here at this time that says on the website or you're not going. It's like oh no. Oh yeah. So there, it's there uh, been, it's the there same thing many, here. There have been many mornings where I've woken up like oh no the bus leaves in 15 minutes and then I just like walk out the door. Yeah. It's not yeah. good. It's so like because like I have to take a a bus from my house to the subway station and then I have to take the subway for like 15 minutes to. Uh, to my school and it's like mm. it's pretty annoying and it's like ah uh, it's like 45 minutes to an hour of uh of tra- like of traveling every day yeah it's about 50 minutes for me too it's unfortunate so, yeah. especially it's it's unfortunate in my case because like driving my own car i'm like 10 minutes mm-hmm. away from campus but taking a bus yeah. is like 40 minutes <laughs> it's ridiculous so, so why don't you drive? Because parking passes are too expensive. It's it's a it's a uh, down it's down it's downtown in a very big United States city. You don't think they're gonna make you pay for parking? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll probably do it next year because it'll just be a lot more convenient. <laughs> yeah, but still. But still, you know, whatever. Ugh. Yeah, it really is a pain in the ass. <laughs> Especially when it's like... I'm always so tired in the morning and I'm always like... I always have a tiny voice in my head that's like, Oh, you can you can skip today, right? You can do that, right? <laughs> and then I have a little voice that's like, No, I can't. I have to go to school. We had a day the other day. This was ridiculous. <laughs> My teacher was like, uh, yeah. he he said in our syllabus, he was like, or our professor, he was like, yeah, uh, we have these uh, outside screening days on uh, these certain days. So when you see that on the syllabus, don't come to class. Uh, and I was like, okay, just like watch the movie at home. That works. So um, we had one of those this past Wednesday. Like we had one of those things that said it on the syllabus. So I was like, okay, not going to not going to class. Little do I find out that he held a lecture anyway. <laughs> and, like, one of my, like, I remember oh. my friend texted us. My friend texted us. He was like, do you guys still want to go? And I'm like, I'm staying home. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would have done the same thing. I was just like, that's ridiculous. But whatever. I still have to watch uh, Snowpiercer this weekend. <laughs> Which yeah. was my, which was my rec- which is my required viewing for next Monday. But yeah. Ooh. 
You're gonna have some fun. <laughs> I hope so. Is it's it a good movie? My, it's my third favorite from uh, Bong Joon Ho. Okay, it's okay. not his most. It's uh, not his most. Uh, it's actually usually considered as one of his least good films uh, with uh, Jazz as well. Mm. But I personally really like it, and I'm not entirely sure right. why. I just do. I know. <laughs> I know for a fact that Tilda Swinton's character helps a lot because it's. Tilda Swinton is one of my favorite actresses, and this is, in my opinion, her best character in her entire career. That's interesting. I'm really excited. Yeah, then. it's really good. All um, right. Yeah. So should we go ahead and select next yep. week's film? Absolutely. All right. So. All right. Let me, uh, let me pull up the randomizer. All right. All right. Uh, randomize. And so, you gotta be fucking kidding me. What? The odds in this situation are crazy. Next week's film is Tom Popo. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Literally, the film that I said I hope is gonna be the film next week. It is Tom Popo. Let's go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited to talk about this film. It's like um, one of the, f- the first films that I watched after getting my uh, Criterion Channel subscription. It's one of my favorite Japanese films of all time. It's I'm so excited. good. <laughs> um, make sure though the when you watch the film, you either uh, have like you either have some food with you or you have eaten not long before that because you will get hungry otherwise oh it's one of those movies okay i get i got you i got gotcha. one of those it's one of those movies My, so when i same yourself. thing happened the same thing happened when i watched uh john favreau's chef was uh my friend was just mm. like was just like make sure you have food i was like okay <laughs> yeah which is a very good film by the way if, if you haven't seen yeah. uh chef it's very good i i have not right. it's a good one i like it a lot uh well all right tampopo <laughs> yeah fuck yeah let's go all right all right yeah well i suppose if there's nothing else you wanted to add it i guess that is movie dudes for now yep all right well thank you all for watching uh it's been uh, it's been fun, and uh, we'll see you next week yep. for Tam Popo. Alrighty, bye bye. Bye-bye.